Hello, and welcome back to Three Lessons from Breakthrough Leaders. I'm Zana Ryabchuk, MD at Breakthrough Global. And I'm Dr. Bart Sale, Breakthrough CEO and founder. We've spent 30 years developing the Breakthrough methodology to transform companies who want to reach the highest level. And in this podcast, we'll get to the heart of that transformation, meeting leaders and creative talents to share three lessons that we guarantee will help you and your companies to unleash your potential. And Bart and I will take a moment to analyse the key takeaways and opportunities for breakthrough thinking. And in today's episode, we welcome Paul Quatracasas. Paul is the founder and CEO of Aqua Partners, an M&A and strategic advisory firm. He's also the author of the best-selling Go Tech or Go Extinct. And today we'll hear these three lessons from Paul. Why leaders need an exponential mindset. Who do I want running the company, the traditional incumbent company? I want a leader who has the mindset of, of someone who understands where everything is going. The big challenge is saying we are going to be leading this industry. We're not going to be the blockbuster. We're going to be the Netflix. How to hedge against an uncertain future. This question of culture has become more important than ever, critically important, that the leaders of a company see this and understand how fragile everything is. And this is about wellness and and mental health. There's going to be more and more problems. And so companies, the challenge is to techify yourself while at the same time up-leveling your culture. And how to retain talent in the great resignation. In essence, by making these bold acquisition moves, the leadership of a traditional corporate incumbent is giving a reason to the talented executives who are working at that incumbent company to stay. Lesson one, be a Netflix, not a blockbuster. Techquisition is really based on the idea that an incumbent traditional corporate that has been around for you know typically many, many years, has established market share, established systems, can adapt to this new world of digital transformation in ways beyond having to do everything itself. The idea is that uh, incumbent traditional companies really do need to look outside of themselves. They need to look at other tech companies, tech companies, startups that are attracting some of the the best talent in technology, data sciences, engineers, et cetera, and who are ambitious and frankly are taking customers of many of these traditional incumbent companies. And techquisition is a a science almost that that we've, we've outlined that helps these incumbent traditional companies find the answer. Who do, who do we acquire or who do we invest in? Which really are the right companies for us and how are they right for us? And what can we do as a company if, if we do an exclusive partnership with them or we invest in them or we acquire them? And Paul, how have you found that it's received by these incumbent companies? Because I know that one of the challenges that we've really uh, got a huge synergy on is, is the concept of mindset, right? And how mindset affects this. And how have you found that that has been a particular challenge for you? You know, it's funny you asked that, Zena, because I was just asked that question by a candidate I was interviewing a few hours ago, asking, you know, what, what's the reaction? What, what do these executives say in these companies? And, and I say the vast majority of them are not really that interested 
at the end of the day. They're very intrigued by it and they're very interested in the theory of it. But when the rubber meets the road and it comes time to allocating resource and time away from what's right in front of them, away from the next crisis or fire drill or away from next quarter's budget or away from something that matters to their own P&L, and they start to lose interest. And, and that's understandable because that is the behavior of so many of these uh, of these traditional companies. And in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with that until we move from the business as usual linear world where technology was limited to PCs and mainframes and servers and uh, you know maybe maybe phones that had text to an exponential world where technology is in absolutely everything that we touch everything that we we eat in some way every, every you know the way we sleep and socialize so now in this exponential world the question is what are these companies going to do about it because they have to do something about it yeah, I think one of the fascinating things is what Ford have done. Uh, I don't know whether they're doing it around the world, but certainly in the U.S. So the biggest selling Ford vehicle is the is the pickup truck. And what they've done is they have created the uh, electric version of that. And not only that, it outperforms the current version. And what they're doing there is they're not only are they working on the on the technology and future proofing with that technology they're also realizing that if we can do this that will be a massive tipping point for the demand for electric vehicles so wherever you look there is technology and uh, we were so inspired by the value that technology is bringing to the world that last summer we published a report a little bit different from what we normally do around the investment philosophy that investors should have if they're looking out long-term, not trading in and out over a year or two years, but holding for 5, 10, 20 years. And we concluded that if you are holding securities, there's no point to be invested in anything but technology companies in the long-term. And that's something of relevance to the boards of these companies. And it should be of great relevance to the executive committees and management teams of these companies whose goal is still to deliver shareholder value, not just the other elements of stakeholder value. Shareholder value is still a part of that. So it all ties in together. You know, the, the exponential nature of technology today, we haven't even talked about quantum computing, which is coming faster than most people think. That's a game changer in and of itself. Holograms are coming. Look how much the world has been forced to use this Zoom and team screen-based technology, we weren't using this two or three years ago. It was Cisco telepresence, right? It was a special thing. You'd go into a big room, you'd have a big screen there to do a meeting and it was we'd all be on video. Well, you know, now it's, it's video everywhere, but in two or three years, four years, we'll be doing these kind of meetings with holograms because we'll have the 5G SA technology. Don't really have that in use today, but we will by then. And the applications will be advanced enough for us to be, and, and cheap enough for us to be able to use holograms and virtual reality in ways that we're not using them today. So we could go on and on about all the exponential technology that is, you know, creeping into all industries. And if you're an industrial player, if you are the blockbuster, how could you not be prioritizing this? I mean, that's the conclusion that I've reached. And you, I mean, you'd expect me to talk my own book, 
talk it up and, uh, and and say that you know this is the number one priority for most companies. I, I would just add to this, and this maybe touches on a lot of what Breakthrough Global does. Um, it, it all is down to people. So yes, it's tech, tech, tech. But before tech, it's people. It's people who code every day. It's people who imagine what the solution should be coded into to deliver a solution for humans. It all starts with humans. It all starts with people. It's mindset. It's all mindset. And if I'm a institutional investor or I'm a board director, who do I want running the company, the traditional incumbent company? I want a leader who has the mindset of, of someone who understands where everything is going, that it's exponential, that it's about where that puck is going to. It's not where it is today. It's not about our current market share. It's not about doing deals that are just ticking the box to fill, uh, you know, to cover geography where we're not currently covered or to buy more revenue or to 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 get access to a product we don't already have. Yeah, I mean, companies will do that. They will always do that. What's the big challenge is saying, we are going to be leading this industry. We're not going to be the blockbuster. We're going to be the Netflix. We're not going to be stuck like a Kodak that didn't get it. We're going to take action. We're going to find the right company to invest in, to acquire, to do an exclusive partnership with for our industry so that we are the only one with access to this team, to this technology that this target company has. We're going to do it. Paul's absolutely right that we need leaders with an exponential mindset. And it's these leaders with the exponential mindset who are often at the forefront of bringing in digital transformation programs around the organizations in which they work. But we've spotted a big problem within our clients and our community, and that's that digital can get incredibly overly complicated and people come up with all sorts of really, really, really complex definitions for this. Simply put, in our eyes, digital is technology plus people. That's it. And far too often within that equation, it's the people part, the mindset and the culture that you need to generate for digital work that gets left as an afterthought. And everybody throws all their resources and all of their time at the technology. But the thing is, the technology will move on. The technology moves on really, really, really quickly. So what we need to do is create agile mindsets and, and a digital mindset within individuals that enable them to be able to adapt as the technology changes and as new things come onto the market. And there's six stages to digital transformation that organizations need to follow. First is mindset. Definitely not technology. First is mindset. Then it's about people, culture. Then you start to look at the process. You implement the right tools. And then finally, you source the technology or design the technology that's going to actually implement it. That's well put, Zana. And in our experience, our clients that succeed are the ones that take firm ownership of this rather than farming it out to a third party. On to lesson two, digitize or die. Here's how I see this, um, which not many other people are commenting on yet. And that is the markets. So when, when a element of decision-making doesn't change for a long time, we tend to take it for granted because we're human. And, uh, and, and a big element of decision-making for senior executives is market conditions. Typically, we think of them as boom and bust, recession and, and, uh, and growth periods. Well, we also have financial markets. And financial markets uh, you know, tend to go up and down with, uh, with economic activity. What we have seen with the pandemic is not just technology coming into our lives with automation and with, with uh, communication, 
but we've had incredible amounts of printing of money, helicopter printing, um, incredible stimulus in the market in, in most of the major economies in the world. And that money has to find a home. And so we are already just now starting to see impacts of inflation. But this is the very beginning. And I'm not saying that we're going to have high inflation or hyperinflation. We might. We're, what we're going to get is greater uncertainty because of this capital flowing into the markets, whether it's inflation or not. It's greater uncertainty and a greater likelihood that prices will get at some point out of control. And, and we will have a market correction, a major market correction. And uh, I mean, if you just look at today, I think junk bonds are trading at a, you know, a, a, a tiny spread, 150 basis point spread to investment grade debt. That doesn't make any sense. That's the first ever we've never had. Even, even during the credit crisis, we never had a spread that low with junk debt. And no one's talking about it because we expect so much more money to flow into the markets in the next six months. So if I'm a traditional incumbent company, um, yes, there's COVID, and yes, we have to adjust from a technology point of view, but I'm, I need to be equally as concerned by a, a big uh, market shock coming, whether it's a recession or whether it's inflation or whether I cannot hire enough, which we already see this problem, we can't hire enough people quickly enough. The banks cannot hire enough data scientists quickly enough. And if they do, they have to pay too much for them. We're seeing hiring problems all across all industries. This is just the beginning. So we have hiring issues, then we have supply issues. We cannot get electronic components quickly enough. We can't get chips. The supply chain is breaking down. When you combine that with some other type of market shock, it doesn't take very much for this fragile environment to cause a normally traditional strong company to fall, to fall on its knees. And that fundamentally, in my mind, is the reason that these traditional and corporate, corporate incumbents must digitize, much tech, I say techify themselves, techify themselves completely, organically and inorganically. If you are completely techified, you're hedged. You've hedged yourself against all of these shocks because you've automated your supply chain. You've got full transparency because you've digitized it. You've got all the data you could ever need. You can predict everything, including what's coming and what's not coming. You've automated your procedures so you don't need all those people in the same way. I read last week that McDonald's is putting out signs um, for, for robots. You know, they're trying to find ways to replace the, the normal jobs with, with, with robots. It's, it's all, it's starting already. If we think about this again, I think about this living in exponential times. What COVID has done, as well as a lot of other things, is actually accelerate the need to do what you're talking about. That need was always there. And it would have been, so it's, so what it's done, it's increased the rate of evolution that you need to be on. And, but, uh, but and, and it's also, am, people, it's amplified, it's sort of amplified the effects as well. It's accelerated the inevitable. I mean, if you see that with, with retail for sure, right? I mean, yeah. everything's going online or omni-channel. I mean, everything. So that's the obvious one, the communication. So, but the non-obvious one is our entire global economy has been put through a shock that we haven't woken up to yet. It's like those four stages of, of death where we, you know, we have denial at first, and then we start to, to come around and realize, you know, what's happened, we end up with acceptance. We're still kind of in that initial phase, just beyond denial. Then what? So you have all of these issues. The pandemic has created a shock of so many issues coming at the same time that you know, the, the, this question of culture 
has become more important than ever, critically important that the leaders of a company see this and understand how fragile everything is. And in solving the fragility, they also give back to their employees. The leaders, this is a moment where leaders can, can be there for their employees. I think as uh, a Dan Schumann, the CEO of PayPal, uh, you know, has some has some great talks that I've seen on this where he's in touch with this, the people. And that's not an easy job um, through some of the programs that they've offered. And, and this is about wellness and, and mental health. And you know, there's going to be more and more problems. And so companies, the challenge is to techify yourself while at the same time transforming the culture to one that really, really cares about people because you're going to have fewer people. You're not going to have more people in your company um, if you're doing well. You're probably going to have fewer people for the right reasons because you're going to automate many more things as you techify. You know? And that's how companies have to think, is disrupting themselves. And that's a challenge for too many companies. Many companies are resistant to change. Some of them don't even recognize that the change all around them is going to affect them in the future. Some see disruption outside, but don't see that it matters to them. And others are resigned or complacent that, yes, it's sometime in the future, but not now. And some companies embark on change. And then at some point, lose focus. And what happens then? They change back. So what we do with Breakthrough is we lead companies, not just through change, but through transformation. It's an important distinction. The transformation is the successful result of change where you won't change back. And that's key to our Breakthrough approach. Now, lesson three, retaining people Promoting mastery. This retention of talent is becoming like a kind of like a you know merry-go-round where people are just spinning off all over the place. And I am concerned that this is going to have an impact for the way that we learn. I mean, I think it's uh, you know, the time horizon on people's jobs and careers and having kind of squiggly careers where you move around all over the place is is, is the way of the future, right? We're not just going to get stuck on a ladder like uh, like like would happen before. But aren't we missing the opportunity to become masters in something? Aren't we missing the opportunity to learn? So I suppose my question is. What, would, what advice would you give to those listeners out there who are having this real struggle of, 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 of hanging on to that talent at the moment? Yeah, Zana, I'm so glad you asked this question. It's big, big, big. It's huge. It's as big as techquisition. Um, and I think techquisition helps solve the problem. It's a big, big problem, and it's just starting. It's not going away. We have clients or we have worked with some of the executives uh, in, in those client organizations. And while we've been working with them over the period of six to 12 months, uh, those executives have been picked off by tech companies. And why not? Tech companies have billions of dollars of cash. If they don't have it now, they'll have it in a few months, uh, figuratively speaking. And if you're smart, you're young, you're ambitious, and you have a lot to offer, and you want to be in the fast lane, you need a reason to stay in a traditional incumbent company. You need a reason to stay. Because you've got, if anything, you've got your wife and your family saying, are you kidding? They're offering you twice as much money. They're offering you share options. They're offering you free beer after work. They're offering you to, you know, pull tables and, and free sofas in the lounge at lunch. They're offering you, come on, why are you staying with this traditional company that's not going anywhere? That's what it comes down to. These are life decisions, family decisions. And if you have to move, you move if you're getting paid two or three times as much. 
and you're getting and you're joining a company that's exciting and fast and it's growing. It's a no-brainer. Except in some cases, certainly in Europe, where people don't like to move uh, for traditional family reasons, they stay in a city. Just take Spain, Madrid, Barcelona. You don't have a lot of moving in between those cities. Whereas in the U.S., it's the opposite. People are transitory. They'll move anywhere. It doesn't matter. Um, and, and by the way, nobody talks about this very much, but that's a big reason why the U.S. has created this economic engine because of the freedom of movement of people, which doesn't really exist that strongly in Europe, apart from maybe a banking sector. Um, but that's besides the point. The main point here, the huge point, is that if there's any reason to do tech acquisition, it's to not just acquire new people, right? To hire people that you wouldn't be able to hire on your own, which is one of the reasons we get for tech acquisition. If you want a new digital team or digital-minded team, or you want data scientists or engineers, you can't just hire one person for all kinds of reasons. They don't want to come work for you, or they'll come and then they'll leave. They'll get picked off, as you say. But you can hire a team. You can hire a team and they'll stay. Why? Because teams will stay. Teams stay together. Look at Cruise Automation. Hired by GM. Oh, my gosh. We're nearly working for the government. In fact, GM was owned by the government not too long ago. If we don't forget back 2009, the hottest self-driving software company startup in the world, they're selling out to, quote, the government, GM. Why would they do that? Because GM said, we're basically going to make you the future. You're going to stay as a team. You're going to change the world. Your technology will be on millions of our vehicles. And by the way, we're also going to be selling your technology to our competitors because they're not as smart enough. They're not doing the things that we are. They're not doing the tech positions that we're doing. So you guys are going to be the stars of the world. Like, wow, why, how could you say no to that? And what happens, and this is the second part that I don't talk much about, which is directly answering your question, Anna, which is the big question. It isn't just, well, we can't go out because you're going to have the objections. We can't go out and buy tech companies. We don't have the balance sheet, da, 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 da. It isn't just that. Here's what happens. When GM acquires Cruise and they, they announce it, and Mary Barr is on CNN and she's tell, talking to the Cruise team, what is she also doing? She's talking to her own GM team. GM team, we've just made a move, a strategic move. We've made a big bet. We've made a risk. We've taken a risk on our 10 to 20 year future that starts right now. We don't have to wait 10 years, it starts now, then the next day, the next day, and you are all gonna be here for the ride. This is gonna be the best ride you ever had. You, you've been here at GM for the last 10, 20 years, and you're kind of you know starting to wonder if you'd stay here. Well, guess what? With this acquisition of Cruise, you're gonna to wanna to stay. So in essence, by making these bold tech acquisition moves, the leadership of a traditional corporate incumbent is giving a reason to the talented executives who are working at that incumbent company to stay. So that is more important today than it's ever been. And, and I have a personal view that that is more effective, or at least as effective as the CEO and the board and the senior management team saying, we're going to make some major changes around here. We're going to change compensation. We're going to base it on our values. Uh, we're going to bring in uh, Breakthrough Global and change our culture. All those things are critically important. When you do those things, combined with a bold strategic tech position move, you are on your way to solving that problem for good. The other thing is that they can they can be trapped in their past. I think you've seen it and I've seen it where a, a, a large company will acquire another company and then in a way destroy the culture of of, the, of that new company rather than opening itself up and having that culture change its own culture. Yeah. And yeah. I see that far more often than, 
um, because it, because with with GM in the way you've described it, and I've not heard it described that way, it's fantastic. What they've done, as well as many other things, is the way they've done it, the way they've communicated it, and then the way they've executed it. They've actually changed their own identity. So you've got to be prepared as a leader or a board or an owner that that can happen and that you don't get too precious about your past and who you believe you are and so on. And, and, and that you're flexible enough to let some things go in order to create the new. It's critical. It's, it, you know, it's kind of nice to have up until now. Now it's need to have what you just described, you know, for any board directors that ever listen to this, you know, this is, this is must do these companies, they need to do a, a blockbuster to a Netflix. They've got to go from almost hardware because there's not going to be a need for as much hardware in 10 years to software solutions. That's a big challenge for leaders today. It's not just let's techify, let's do a techquisition, let's keep our best people. We can't lose our best people. Um, what else can we do for our customers? That's that's part of the the overall solution here. And it's it's part of changing culture and mindset. Retaining talent has never been such a challenge as it is right now. Um, at the time of recording this in 2022. We see this all the time. It's the big challenge of believing that you're too big to fail, that you'll always be able to attract the right people, that you'll always be able to retain them, um, and that you're too successful in the immediate term to even think about the possibility of decline in the longer term. But that's just simply not the case anymore. The disruptors are out there, and they are going to steal your future, and they're going to steal your people. So with Breakthrough, we are continually helping our clients to create their own future and own that future. I'll give you an example. The apocryphal story is that Microsoft started in a garage somewhere where a group of like-minded people got together and basically created the future. And at the height of Microsoft's success, the founder, Bill Gates, was asked, well, What's the one thing you worry about? What keeps you up at night? And he replied instantly, my worry is that there's somebody out there now in a garage somewhere creating a different future, which they will own. And of course, we know now that that was actually happening. And that other company was Google. So this brings us to the part of the show where we ask our guests five hot seat questions. These are rapid fire questions. Are you ready for them, Paul? Let's go for it. <laughs> Let's go for it. I like it. What's the most exciting thing you've ever done? If we include non-business without any question, it's proposing to my wife. Oh, that's the nicest one we've had. Finish this sentence. Success is? Achieving harmony with what you really want in life. And if you could only take one book to a deserted island, what would it be? <laughs> That's the hardest question I think I've ever had. <laughs> Probably The Power of Awareness by Neville Goddard. And is there anything, just as an add-on question, that you've been reading recently that you would really recommend to our, to our listeners? Maybe it's that book and uh, maybe tell us a little bit about it. First of all, read the Wall Street Journal every day because it's amazing journalism. Okay, That's uh, Second thing is read Future Loop because it's the best free blog on everything I've talked about in the world, bar none. It's Peter Diamandis created. So read Future Loop, very important. It's free at daily. 
the uh, the reason I gave power of awareness out of the God knows how many books I've read is um, it's it's really about consciousness, human consciousness, and how I personally believe that's the future of the world is that the more humans come to believe that we are one and we're frankly not even bodies, but we we are con- pure consciousness, um, the sooner we will solve all of our problems. And I do think the world is, you know, not that that many cultures and tribes haven't been aware of this for thousands of years, but I think with this crazy, crazy two years we've been through in so many ways um, that uh, that more of us will wake up to what we have to offer to to other people, whether it's family or and our friends or whether it's colleagues at work. And I mean, what is work other than a collection of people? What's a company? Uh, we can all just be individuals, but we form companies for a reason. Yes, to make profit and to grow. But but ultimately, it's still humans dealing with each other. And I think for me and uh, the years that I have left in, in doing you know, business, I want to have experiences every day with people. Well, thinking of those people, um, our listeners, if they want to find out more about you, Paul, or they want to get in touch with you, maybe ask you a question directly, what's the best way to do that? Is that through your social media? Uh, well, yes, yeah, so I'm in LinkedIn and uh, my email is paulc at aquapartners.com, um, and, which I do read and, and, and deal with every day. And our website is aquapartners.com. There's plenty of content on there as well as ways of reaching us. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Paul. It's been an absolute pleasure. So much insight, so much information there for our listeners to digest. Um, and I'm sure that people will be getting in touch with further questions. So thank you so much for joining us today. Paul, yeah, thank, thank you. Thanks so much. You've been brilliant, as I knew and as I expected. And it's been fantastic. And by the way, I would add Paul's book to the recommendations. So go tech or go extinct. But I, I don't think you could do much with that on a deserted island, could you? <laughs> You could go extinct. <laughs> you could go extinct. There you go. Yes. You could go extinct. Hopefully in the right kind of way. Bart, thank you so much. And thank you, Zan. It's been a real pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. Do make sure you hit the subscribe button and join us next time for another three lessons from Breakthrough Leaders. You can reach out to us at Breakthrough Global on LinkedIn or Facebook via Twitter at Raging Clarity or Instagram at Global Breakthrough. And we'd love to hear your feedback and your own leadership stories. We'd also love for you to share this episode on your own social media and review and rate this podcast on your player of choice, as we want to spread these transformative lessons as wide as possible. And thanks to our production team, Yulia Schultes over at Breakthrough Global and Robin Lieburn at Fairly Media. And of course, thank you for listening. See you next time.